Hello? Okay. Just making sure. I think that was probably my fault, and I apologize. Um, I, I was thinking that I would, real discreetly, I had forgotten to turn my mic on, and I thought, oh, I'll just reach back and push that button, and when I did, I think that that just exploded, so I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, young people, if you're uh, going to go to class at this time, you're dismissed to do so. So I, I apologize for that. So best laid plans, you think, oh, I'll just do that real quietly and flip that button and everything will be good. And Guess what? So if you have Bibles today, and I hope that you do, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Gospel of Luke chapter 12. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And we know that when he arrives there, that what awaits him is certain death. And along the way, he is teaching, he is instructing, he's giving to those around him what he feels is most important as he concludes his physical life on this earth, as he is nailed to the cross, we know buried in the tomb, resurrected the third day, and then shortly after ascended into heaven. And so he is preparing them for his departure, his physical departure from them. And uh, in the middle of his teaching, in the middle of his instruction, someone interrupts him. Now, none of us like to be interrupted like the unfortunate interruption that I just caused while Don was praying, right? We don't like to be interrupted. Why? Because if someone interrupts us, it says to us what you have to say, what you're communicating doesn't have much value. It's really not very important. In fact, what I have to say or what I want to share is more important than what you have to say or share. And so I'm going to interrupt you in order to inject my thoughts into your thoughts. And so Jesus is teaching, he's instructing, and in the midst of that, there is an interruption. And in the midst of the interruption, the man who interrupted him was not asking a question about his teachings. He was not asking a question about Scripture or about spiritual matters or about salvation or the Holy Spirit or any of those things. The question that he was asking was for Jesus to become a referee, to become a judge, uh, to become a, a, a person who would intervene between this man and his brother. Luke chapter 12, beginning in the 13th verse... And we want to read there together this morning this story that unfolds in the life of Jesus and see what lessons we can learn to apply to our life. And someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. So Jesus is in the midst of, of teaching, instructing. He specifically, in the passage right prior to this, is talking about hypocrisy. And then suddenly out of nowhere, someone says, hey, rabbi, that's, that's teacher translated, rabbi. Rabbis were to be judges or they were to be a mediator for people. And so he says, hey, rabbi, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. 
In other words, we want you to get involved in our brotherly squabble, if you would. And Jesus said to him, Ma'am, who appointed me a judge or, or arbiter over you? Why, why would you ask me to do that? And then he said to him, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So Jesus responds and gives some additional instruction. And the first thing that he says is this, be careful about being greedy. Now, I mean, most of us would look at that and say, well, it sounds like he's making a reasonable request, right? Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I mean, if he gets part, I should get part. That seems fair, right? But Jesus says, hey, be careful. Be on your guard. Be aware of all forms of greed. So evidently, what this man is requesting falls into the form of some, some type of greed. In other words, he's being selfish or self-centered. And so we, we look at that and we think about, well, sometimes then what we think is reasonable may not be reasonable. What we would think seems to be fair, maybe isn't fair. Because Jesus says, we look at it and go, well, yeah, he's just requesting that he share the family inheritance. Seems reasonable, seems fair. And Jesus says, oh, well, well, wait a minute. Let's be careful about greed. Be in your guard and, and, and be careful lest some greed is getting into your heart, is motivating you to make this request at this point in time. So, first thing I would say today is that you and I need to be careful to understand that what always that may what may seem reasonable to us or fair to us isn't always reasonable or fair in the eyes of the Lord. He says, "My ways are not your ways, as my ways are higher than your ways." That that his ideas are different than ours. And so we need to understand that. We need to understand sometimes what in the world seems to be fair and reasonable and and that's the way it should be isn't always necessarily so in the eyes of the Lord. Then the Scripture says that he begins to teach from a parable. Now, listen to the parable. And he told them a parable saying, picking up in verse 16, the land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began to reason to himself saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. For God has said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, interesting thing as we look at this story we see this man, the Scripture defines him as rich or wealthy. 
He is a landowner. He, he has a, an abundance of land. He has a home. He has barns and structures in which to store his harvest. And he is looking out over the harvest that has already begun. And he begins to see that this harvest is better than any harvest has ever been before in all of his farming career. And, and we don't know why. Think about it for a moment. Is, is it just that, that he, you know, had the right seed? That he planted at exactly the right time? That he prepared the soil as, as expertly as it could be prepared? Just the right amount of sunshine and the right amount of rain? All of the conditions were absolutely perfect as they could be for this to be the most bountiful harvest He's ever received in his life. We don't know all the answers to that, but we do know it is the best harvest he's ever seen. And so the scripture says he begins to reason with himself. He begins to think about, what am I going to do about this? And as he begins to think about that, he devises a plan. And the plan is this, I'm going to tear down the barns that I currently have, and I'm going to build bigger barns that will hold more harvest, that I can store all of this for myself and my future. Here's the first thing I want you to note about this gentleman today and the lessons that we can learn from his life to help us in regards to our lives. And that is, the farmer failed to look beyond himself. The farmer failed to look beyond himself. If you go back and and look, I, I think it's seven or eight times, he uses a personal pronoun. I, me, mine. Everything is all about him. I've never seen a harvest this big. I don't know what I'm going to do. He reasoned with myself, here's what I will do. I will tear down my barns. I will build bigger barns. I will store for myself. I will say to myself, hey, listen, you've got plenty of laid aside for years to come. Hey, you eat, drink, and be merry. Everything is all right. Everything was about him. Never once does it indicate that he went to the Lord and said, Lord, what, what do I do? Here's the situation. How should I handle this? Are my barns enough for me? Should I, should I share this harvest with others? If I just fill my barns up and whatever else comes in beyond that, I, I give it to the poor? He never asked any of those questions. He never asked of the Lord. He never looked beyond himself. Everything was centered around Him. Everything was centered around His life, His comfort, His excess, His bonus, His harvest, His barns, His possessions. Everything was about Him. And He failed to acknowledge God. Listen, this guy did not have the ability to germinate that seed to grow. He did not have the ability 
to command the rain and the sun to be in the exact right amounts for the best harvest ever. He did not have the ability to stop the winds from blowing or the hail from falling that could destroy his crops. He had none of those powers or or not any of those abilities, and yet he never looked beyond himself. Everything was still focused on him and very selfish and very self-centered. He was looking at only his life. So the first thing about that today I want us to note is be careful. That's what Jesus said to this guy. Remember when he interrupted him and he asked the question? He said, be careful. Be on your guard. Be alert lest any form of greed comes in and takes over in your life. And that's exactly what he's saying in the story of the farmer. Is that the greed has come in and begun to take over. I wonder sometimes in our life if we don't allow greed to come in and take over. We allow our desire. Now now notice, he he didn't say anything that was harmful to anybody else. He, He didn't downgrade any other farmers. He didn't say, man, they don't know how to farm like I know how to farm. He didn't say, man, they're not as good as me. Look at the crop that I have. He didn't say anything about anybody else. He didn't reference God in regards to what he should do. Everything was self-centered, and self-centeredness is greed. Self-centeredness is focused on me, not on the Lord, not on anybody else. It's all about me. And that's where we find this man unable or unwilling to look beyond himself. He was selfish, he was self-centered, and he thought only about today and what he could save and prepare for his future. Notice that he thought he was going to live forever. Notice that he said, hey, we're going to lay up the storehouse and we're going to have food for years to come. We're going to have resources for years to come. Eat drink and be merry. So he was looking at his life today. He was looking at at saving for the future. But everything was centered around him and no one else. Be careful. Be on the guard, Jesus says, lest some form of greed come into your heart. And we become selfish and self-centered That everything is about us. Second thing is this. The farmer failed to look beyond this present world. Now he looked beyond the present because he said, I've got storehouses for years to come. But he did not look beyond this present world. All of his focus was on here. All of his focus was on now. All of his focus was on his stores for the future. All of his focus was on eat, drink, and be merry, celebrate life. Everything's wonderful. Everything he did tied to this world. And there was nothing about the everlasting life. And so the scripture says that that night, I want you to think about the suddenness of that. This guy has a harvest like he's never seen before. He is more successful than he's ever been before. 
He has the resources and the ability and the understanding. He's going to tear down barns and build bigger barns. He's going to store this harvest, and he's going to have all that he needs for for the future of his life here on this earth. And the Scripture says that night, God called that man a fool. He said, your self-centeredness and your focus only on this world and not beyond this world is foolish. This very night, your soul will be required of you. This very night, your life is coming to an end. And then you ask a question. Now who's going to get everything that you own? No mention of an inheritance. No mention of children or passing it to the next generation or anything of that nature. It was all about him. All about his selfishness. All about his greed and his self-centeredness. And and so God says, hey, listen. Tonight, while you've got all of these plans for your future in this world, he said, tonight, your life is going to end. Now, who's going to possess and who's going to spend all that you have? Sometimes we get so focused on ourself and on preparing for this life that we don't realize that there is no guarantee of the next breath, of the next moment, of the next hour, of the next day, or the next week, or the next month, or the next year. Today, he says, this very night, your soul is required of you. And really, when you come to that point, there's only one question. Are we prepared? Are we ready? It's evident from the text this morning, this man was not. So we have to ask ourselves the question, if we heard those words, tonight, your soul is required of you, are we ready? Have we been selfish, self-centered? Have we kept our focus only on the things of this world? Or are we prepared for life after death? Are we prepared for eternity? Are we prepared to face our Lord, who I think it's interesting that this man began this whole conversation by asking Jesus to do what? To be the judge between he and his brother. And now Jesus is focusing on the day that we will all face the judge. And we will be judged for eternity. And the question is, are we ready? Are we prepared for that judgment if he were to say to us tonight, this is it. This is your last breath. This is your last hour. This is your last day. These are your last moments. Are we prepared to face our judge, to face our maker, to face our creator, to face our Lord and Savior for all eternity? That's a simple question. It's not complicated. It's not hard. He's very clear in His Word what we need to do to prepare. The only question we have to ask is, are we prepared? Are we ready? This parable is a great story of understanding of the value of things in this world versus the value of things for eternity. In our eyes, this guy was successful in every way possible. He had everything going for him except for one thing. 
He never consults God about his life or his future or his eternity. Here's the thing. He was a farmer. I would venture to say that most farmers, when they see the miracle of a seed that grows and develops a crop and a harvest and the rain and the water and all the things that are necessary for that to happen. I'm not going to say exclusively, but I would say most farmers, and I believe this farmer, if we ask the question, do you believe in God? They would say yes. Yep, I believe. But that's as far as it went. How far have you gone? Is it just I believe? Or is there something more to it? Is there a deeper relationship? Is there a preparation for the future and for eternity? Full barns, but an empty soul. Full barns, but an empty life. Great success according to the world, but an utter failure spiritually and eternally. The choice is up to you and I. And so this morning, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And it's an invitation for you and I to make decisions and to make choices about our life, about our future, about our eternity.